This is uh, Dr. Robert Patton making a tape on the final exam of Islamic studies, that is uh, MI210 and MI612, since the exam will be basically the same, for the fall of 2016. Now we will cover a variety of topics, but they will not be done directly topically. We begin with a few observations of uh, folk Islam. Folk Islam, as we know, uh, is Islam is found uh, in 1.7 billion uh, Islamic and many, perhaps 70% or so, have involved folk Islam. So it's not relatively rare. And the vast majority of uh, Muslims, even though this is not typically fit in the Muslim uh, religious category, do accept it rather than reject it, perhaps because it's so common. Now, I believe that the reason that this is the case is that uh, Allah is a very transcendent God. That is, he's far away. He's not involved in regular life, and he's not relational. <laughs> in fact, they reject the father-child relationship. He has a relationship of the uh, master and son, and so and also, love is not characteristic of him. They uh, would look at him more as a stern taskmaster than a love, loving individual. And so you need something to help you to take care of your everyday problems. The primary religion and their primary method of prayer is to praise Allah, but not so much with the formal prayers asking him for things. Now, Allah has, uh, with this involvement of folk Islam, you, you will see that there's a lot of demonic involved in this. They do all sorts of things that are similar to what I had seen in Suriname among our Bush Negroes. Some of the things that they are particularly noted for, uh, protection of the evil eye. Muhammad himself believed in the evil eye. We saw protection against the evil eye in Suriname, and that's worldwide. Some are specific blessings that are given, and then similar to the people that we saw in Suriname, they will wear uh, amulets, uh, they'll hang things around their uh, necks or uh, around their, uh, their arms or other places to protect them. And this, again, is a very typical thing of any kind of folk religion. Also, they believe that uh, there are certain places and certain that have and certain times that are special and they have more spiritual power and so certain places and certain words and even certain individuals uh, an example of this uh, which was in the bush negroes is or i should say in the africans was when i was in liberia people used to feel that if i wrote a prescription and gave it to them for them to go to get filled, it had more power than if one of my interns or residents wrote it. So what do you do? Well, uh, sometimes people uh, will go through the emotions, but sometimes God breaks through, often showing himself in a vision or a dream. And I've talked to two people personally that have had a, a vision of Jesus Christ and then later gotten saved. On the other hand, there is a tendency to uh, say, well, if Allah wills, kismet, uh, fate. Now, trying to reach Muslims can be a problem. We have a number of barriers, cultural barriers that are there. For example, clothing. Uh, this is particularly seen in the uh, women, where uh, they are not to expose much of their skin. Uh, actually, they are perhaps more uh, neat than... Uh, many of the Westerner ladies are. Uh, even if you don't have a whole hijab, uh, you tend to cover up your skin and not show it. You certainly wouldn't walk around in a bikini or something of that sort. Then they also adopt a number of the laws that um, the Jews did, including food. That means that anything from uh, the the pig, that would be pork, bacon, lard, so some baked goods are out, are forbidden. And also, remember that um, the 
uh, Jews are not to eat uh, anything that doesn't uh, from the sea that doesn't have uh, fins and scales, and so that means such things as uh, shrimp and lobster are out. Alcohol is is uh, definitely out, and uh, interestingly, even uh, such things as burial in a casket is. Uh, not uh, typical. Normally they just wrap in a white shroud and then place you directly in the ground. And so these are different things that uh, can uh, make a cultural barrier between you and your Islamic friend. Coming to church can be a problem. For example, they see men and women sitting together in church. They look in front of the church, and there they see the symbol of the cross, which in many ways is somewhat hated, instead of the sword and the moon, uh, and perhaps a star. Also, uh, dogs are seen uh, as a problem, especially black dogs, but they're considered that they should be hunting dogs or dogs that are uh, simply... Uh, there to keep you safe uh, and their guard dogs and so having a pet and petting dogs would be basically bad and in fact if a dog walks in front of a group of men praying that invalidates their prayer. Also you may be uh, in a Christian home and often they will have Christian art there and if it's a picture of someone and even a picture of Christ uh, this is uh, often read a problem because Muhammad himself said uh, that he didn't like pictures. And uh, if I remember correctly, they said even the angels, certain things offend them, including uh, pictures. Uh, if we're going to <clears throat> reach a Muslim then, uh, we need to try and establish a good relationship, avoid offending them, and uh, not focus first on our uh, theological differences as much as establishing a solid relationship and then presenting Jesus Christ uh, living in us and changing us. When we are communicating with them, we must look at all the areas of communication. We tend to focus on the cognitive, that is, communicating information and facts. But also there are things that have effective emotional impact. I will give you an example, not from the Islamic people themselves, but from England. I'm a doctor, and uh, I could say that, for instance, the operation uh, was, uh, there was a lot of blood loss. I might say, well, it was a terribly bloody operation. Well, that word bloody is very offensive to uh, many uh, British, and you don't use that word. So there are things that we need to be careful of, and the way we say it, uh, to try to avoid having an unnecessary emotional impact. Now sometimes some things are necessary to be said, but be careful. Also, we have valuation, and uh, valuative considerations are, are important as well. And so, for example, uh, the Muslim is going to be uh, much more involved in honor and shame than in guilt and uh, innocence. And so we want to be careful that we uh, make honorable decisions and avoid unnecessarily shaming the individual. And I'm afraid that our history has not done well. Even the history of the Crusades, now there are many mistakes that the Christians made, also many mistakes that the Muslims made uh, during that period of time. And for anyone to say that it was just uh, the Christians, they don't know their history well. But it is a problem. However, we set up other types of things by exporting our Western culture uh, in ways that are very offensive to them and should be considered offensive as we as Christians because what the such things as homosexuality and immorality are seen all the time in the popular culture, seen in television, seen in movies, and people will say, oh, well, that's what Christians believe. That's because 
they do not distinguish between what happens with a uh, in a political realm and in the religious realm. Well, we say, well, you know, there's a big difference, but not to the Muslim. It is not a big difference. And uh, so they would assume that anything that occurs politically uh, in, the, in America is Christian, which of course it is not. Uh, that is also true about uh, their view of government. Government, uh, their idea should be a theocracy, uh, and Allah should be in charge, and his uh, Sharia law should be in charge, rather than democracy. The culture focuses primarily on community, the Ummah, rather than just on the individual, which is more Western. And so we need to con consider the value of the, of the community, which is very important. And also in the community, they value uniformity. So sticking out is not a particularly positive thing. And so a lot of the American individuality and insistence on uh, I can do what I want, and rebelling, and so forth, are uh, anti-Islamic uh, concepts, and they value uh, the community, uh, conf conforming, and also a great value on the family. Because of that, we have to look carefully in terms of uh, creating major offense to the family, and also to the individuals, um, even to the point of when we baptize uh, individuals, that is an important consideration, and public baptism on the wrong situation can even lead to riots. We need to re <clears throat> recognize that uh, in the struggle for Islam, I disagree with uh, those who say the kingdom of God includes both Islam and Christianity, that's typical of the insider movement, but I would say there's a struggle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, and that's we are involved in that structure. One of the problems that uh, Islam gives also is trying to witness uh, when they say, well, what has happened is you have changed the Bible, and so this makes uh, communication also different, and they say, uh, you Christians believe in three gods. That's because they do not understand the incarnation and the Trinity. And they feel, in fact, with the incarnation, that Christians believe that God came down and had physical sexual intercourse with Mary uh, to give her birth. And they often consider the, that the Trinity uh, is God the Father, Mary the Mother, and Jesus the Son, which, of course, is absolutely false but that's what they believe Christians believe. And they also take other texts than the Gospels, for example, the Epistle of Barnabas, which uh, we know is a, is a false epistle, probably written to push Islam forward, but it is false. And uh, so it should be rejected, but they say, well, that is the truth and the Gospels have been changed. Muslims also uh, have a pro big problem believing man is a sinner. They say no man is weak, but he's not a sinner. And if he's not a sinner, then he does not need a savior. Some of the problems with these uh, occurred because Muhammad's first contact with Christians was basically Koraka, uh, the cousin of uh, Khadija, his wife, who had probably believed in an aberrant doctrine with three gods. So uh, we need to, to break through these understandings. We need to have a strong, good, personal relationship. Muslim also believes in grace. The grace of God or grace of Allah is shown in his perfect law. He is gracious in that he shows us what he wants. He doesn't just punish us willy-nilly, but he shows us what we have to do. So that's their idea of grace rather than what we say is grace, which is unmerited favor. And that man doesn't have 
a sin nature, which makes it inevitable that he will sin, but he is weak, and so he needs to be reminded, and God sent prophets to remind man of what his requirements are. The current, the Bible, I'm sorry, the Muslim actually believes that the Quran itself, which is the gift of Allah, is, was, is an uncreated and eternal word of Allah. Now, there have been debates in the past about that, and actually, originally, because he said Allah cannot have any parts, and he is eternal, then they said, well, then the Quran could not be eternal. And in fact, one person who claimed the, the um, Quran is eternal was executed and beheaded. However, they have changed their position on that. may not be logically correct, but it is what they they affirm. Thus, it behooves us to be very careful that we avoid us insulting unnecessarily either Muhammad or the Quran. Now, what about Jesus? Well, Islam believes a lot of things about Jesus. They believe that he uh, was born of a virgin, and surprisingly, that he was without sin. They do not believe that Muhammad was without sin, although there's some confusion in the whole situation because they say he's the greatest prophet and the prophets are without sin. But at the same time, the Quran itself says at least twice that uh, Muhammad had to ask forgiveness for his sins. And as we look at his life, we can see why. Uh, they, uh, Quran, the Quran also accepts the ascension, that is, that Jesus Christ went directly up to heaven. What they do not believe is that Jesus Christ died on the cross, or that he died in our sins and was buried, and rose again physically from the dead. They believe that uh, the Bible spoke about Muhammad. They have, a, I believe, a false interpretation of Deuteronomy, where it's talking about another a leader or king coming later on, which is really talking about a Jewish king, Deuteronomy uh, 17, 18. And then also uh, they believe that uh, when it talks about the coming of the Perakletos, they said this is a Perakletos, two different words, which means praised, which means, and that's a meaning of Muhammad, uh, the praised one. But they are, of course, totally false. And if you read it carefully, it talks about the Paracletos living in us and is talking about the Holy Spirit, not Muhammad. So uh, the Quran does agree with Jesus' uh, birth being a supernatural birth, virgin birth, and that he performed many miracles. However, uh, they do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and they claim that the Bible does, or I should say the Scriptures do not use the word Son in a metaphoric fashion. However, that's not true, because the uh, Quran does talk about the Son of the Road, which is another way of speaking about a wayfarer, or a person who's walking, and um, that is obviously not talking about a, a male uh, road and a female road getting together and making little roads so they have a son of the road. It's obviously metaphorical. Thus, it is important to correct some misconceptions of the Muslim. One is that God is totally holy and he cannot tolerate even a little bit of sin in heaven. None, none. So that means then that if you're going to try and get in, get in on your own good deeds, you're never going to make it because even no matter how many deeds you've done, you've done some, you've sinned that they would recognize, and you're, they need to recognize that God doesn't say, well, a certain number of goods, good deeds uh, outweighs the sin, because if they did that, then God would allow sin into heaven, and that can't occur, because God cannot stand sin, and that we need to make very clear. As in any works-related religion, Islam can never give total forgiveness of sins, even if you do many good deeds. And it's worth noting that Adam and Eve may have done some good deeds prior to the time that they uh, broke God's law and ate the fruit. We don't know how long it was that they were there, but the moment they did 
one sin, they were separated from God, and the process of physical and spiritual death uh, took place, Phys physical death gradually, spiritual death instantaneously. So what do we need then? We need a lot of love and a lot of prayer to meet the Muslim. Now, the Quran itself has internal uh, contradictions. We believe that the Bible does not really have in, uh, inconsistencies and uh, self-contradiction. In fact, the Bible cannot lie. God cannot lie. Jesus is the spirit of truth. God's word is truth. But what do they do? Well, they say the law of abrogation. The law of abrogation means that if uh, Allah had said one thing, later on he says something that's contradictory to him, they're both true, but the latter one takes priority over the first one. But both are true, and you can use them any time. So, for example, the violent verses are in Medina, which is later. They take precedence over the peaceful, which are also true. So what you do then is when you are in a situation like Muhammad was in Mecca where he was weak and under and under attack and uh, out uh, outnumbered. You use the weak verses, uh, lull them into sleep, so to speak. But when you are in ascendancy, then you take the strong verses. So that's the law of abrogation, an important word to remember. So although the Quran states that God, Bible is the word of God, they believe that the the Christians have changed the Bible. Now, the question that you should ask is, when did this occur? Was it before or after Muhammad? Well, if you say after Muhammad, you can say, hey, we've got uh, all kinds of scriptures showing that can't occur. Actually, we do some going before Muhammad also. If they say before Muhammad, then you can ask them, well, how is it then that the Quran states that the that the Bible was the word of God, if it had been changed, isn't that inconsistent? So a number of things to remember. Uh, anytime the, the uh, Quran uh, speaks about uh, Allah, uh, they will not use the name, uh, the title Father, because that they view as a biological relationship. And so they will use spiritual guardian, a variety of different things. You will find out that uh, the insider movement uh, with the Muslim-friendly Bible tends to use those terms, which are really quite uh, deceptive. Now, how are you going to break through that? Well, love, prayer, and a lifestyle and character that are Christ-like. So a more profitable way of approaching them, rather than insulting uh, Muhammad, is to raise up and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Leading uh, Muslim women to the Lord uh, is also uh, somewhat of a challenge because the woman is protected. Uh, to make sure that no sexual immorality occurs. So it is usually best uh, to have women dealing directly with women rather than men dealing with women, which laid, uh, would raise many questions. And these Christian women should be conservatively dressed. Uh, and men should be very careful to avoid anything that would be considered uh, sexually provocative. In fact, I would say that's also true of, of girls who, when they are friendly, uh, in perhaps with Westerner or United States, that may be interpreted as just being friendly, but there um, it may be interpreted as a come on, inviting sexual uh, contact. Muslims have many misconceptions about Americans, not only that, but that America's focus is on territorial expansion and they're warmongers and imperialists. And they, uh, even when they do good and they um, use, bring aid, the main reason is to buy converts from the poor. Now it is a huge price to, um, for a Muslim to become a Christian because in general, especially if they're in a strong Muslim uh, environment, it means not only abandoning your family, 
which is bad enough, and bringing shame to your family, but also abandoning your culture. And the cross, of course, is offensive in the sense that the cross shows that we are sinners and we need a, a savior, but the offense of the cross is even greater, I believe, to the Muslim himself. You can confront the Muslim. People have done that in the past when the colonial governments were uh, in charge, but really uh, that proved to be not very useful. More useful was institutional approach, showing love, building such things as schools and hospitals, which are often interestingly built by Christians rather than the Muslims themselves. One of the things that is very offensive to Muslims is not only speaking poorly of the Quran, but not respecting it. They will place it in the highest place in the home. They will carry it and they will not generally hold it below their waist. And of course, we don't look at the Bible the same way. Remember that they are looking at this as, a, as literally the book itself, the physical book is um, holy. They would look at the book kind of like we would look at physically seeing Jesus Christ. And of course, anyone handling Jesus Christ with disrespect would be very offensive to a Christian. So just remember that. You say, well, why were there all these problems uh, of misconceptions? Because one thing was there were not very many true Christians in the Arabian Peninsula. Furthermore, rather sadly, the Bible was never... Uh, translated into Arabic until about 200 years after uh, Muhammad. Very, very sad. Now, when uh, Muhammad then started preaching, uh, he, would, uh, he really did quite remarkably well, considering he had no Bible, uh, and he attacked idolatry uh, and immorality. And with the idolatry, he clashed with his own Quarash tribe because they made a lot of money uh, having idols in the Kaaba. And so they gave him all kinds of trouble and they gave him persecution. Now that same pattern of persecution was, was turned right around when the Muslims dominated in Medina and they began to persecute and they've continued to persecute uh, ever since. In fact, they have uh, persecuted and set up a second quality citizenship called dimmi status since then, and they've made it into a real science. But you say, well, goodness, then how can people come to the Lord? Well, through Christian witness, but also God himself bringing dreams and visions, and also sometimes divine healing has occurred, uh, especially, I would think, in the areas of uh, the folk religion, but even in the other areas. Uh, and so uh, opposition of uh, the demonic involvement is also there. What about uh, Muslim women? Can they get saved? Yes. Can they get saved without their husband? Yes. But it's difficult to reach them. And uh, they are under their husband's control. And so what they can do and how much, how much freedom they have is uh, quite limited. Sometimes people, to soften the blow, will have uh, done what they call a Muslim-friendly Bible. And they've changed words in the Bible uh, to so they don't call God the Father. They don't call Jesus the Son. Because, in fact, in the Quran, it states that Esau, the name of, of Jesus, actually denied that he was a son. Uh, interestingly, uh, in the last times, uh, the Muslims also have a savior. Uh, his name is the Mahdi. He also works, and Esau helps him, that is Christ. And then there is a, a guy who is against him called Ad-Dajjal. Almost certainly, the Al-Dajjal character that is described there, who, among other things, that leads an army of Jews against uh, the Mahdi in the end times. 
and has such power that he can wipe his across your forehead and heal you and do some other miracles. He probably is a distorted view of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Perhaps you ask, what about uh, Muslim unity? They talk about unity all the time. Does that mean that they accept all faiths like Judaism, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism? No, 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 no. That means that all Muslims are supposed to believe exactly the same thing and not to vary from the way that they all believe. There also have some rather unpleasant um, and unflattering beliefs of women. They believe that women are inferior to men mentally. They feel they are inferior to men spiritually. And of course, they hold an inferior position as far as inheritance is concerned, as far as testifying before a judge is concerned, and in fact, they are not permitted to be a judge. Thus, they are separated. And in fact, if a woman walks in front of a group of praying men, that prayer can be invalidated. So women and men do not associate with themselves in the mosque. And usually they'll have a place for the women off to the side where they're kept totally apart. What about truth? Well, according to the Quran, there is something which we would call, well, a little white lie, uh, which, by the way, there is no little white lie. But they say you can use deceit and lying if, number one, the reason is important enough. Uh, for instance, it'll save your life. Or number two, it will advance Islam. Now, if you're doing it for personal gain, that's wrong. But if you're doing it for a very important reason, or especially if it'll advance Islam, they have a special name for it, taqiyya. So lying is acceptable, but idolatry is unacceptable under any circumstances. Allah will not tolerate that. Now, Paul never did that. Paul, when he preached, he never hid his testimony just to avoid persecution, uh, which, by the, which is, by the way, what the Muslim may do. Let's say a Muslim in the States wants to uh, get ahead, maybe get into a specific position in the government where he can have influence and so forth. It's perfectly acceptable in their view for him to lie, even deny the fact that he's Muslim to get into that position. Paul never did that. And although the cross was offensive, he preached the cross. He would say, God forbid that I know anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, the, the customs they have, the Islamic customs, you, know, you must not look as simply neutral. There appears to be some demonic component in it. Uh, where the individual is actually under some demonic control under these circumstances. So do not feel, for example, that uh, doing this, the uh, salat, the prayer, and the uh, going through uh, the rituals and the hajj, uh, participating in Ramadan, is totally neutral. That is probably not true. There appears to be a demonic hold on some individuals as well. Unfortunately, this is ignored by the insider movement. The insider movement tends to, to ignore the need of the church itself and uh, to allow people to continue to participate in the mosque, continue to use their Muslim names, use their Muslim prayers, pay the zakat. So in other words, they are practicing as Muslims, and they call themselves followers of Isa. But I find that rather deceptive. So uh, that's not something that we would suggest. Likewise, the Muslim-friendly Bible. 
which, by the way, undermines the authority of the Bible. Then you can change it around here and there. So they say, well, the Christians have changed the Bible. Well, it's true when you do that. And it also favors syncretic melding together of Christianity and Islam, often called Chrislam. Now, also, you need to think about the whole question of authority. For example, uh, Jesus accepted the entire Old Testament just as it was written. It is written, and he quotes from Deuteronomy. He'll quote it right to Satan and right to his face. Okay, Muhammad said the Christians have changed both the Old Testament and the New Testament, which wrote of me. They didn't say that at first, but as soon as the Jews began to reject him, that became a major problem. Now, what about Allah himself? Well, he, he is not the father, he does not have a son, and uh, the spirit is considered an impersonal spirit. His relationship with um, mankind is primarily he, uh, the uh, relationship between a master and a slave. You do what I say because you do what I say. He, if you consider him a god of love at all, it would be because he uh, will occasionally forgive people various things, and uh, particularly people who die like a shaheed, uh, a martyr. And in fact, he's so transcendent, there's a real question. Did he enter, would he ever enter into time and space? And they would have problems, for example, with Genesis chapter 3, where it talks about Adam walking with God in the cool of the day. It's so, mm, can't be. God would never come so close to man. Now, Esau himself, Esau al-Mariam, uh, Esau, Esau the daughter of, I'm sorry, the son of Mary. Was he born of a virgin? Yes. Uh, did he rise from the dead? No. Did he die for our sins? No. Was he crucified? No. Did he go to heaven? Yes. Did he do sins? No. Very interesting. Now, he is called the Messiah which I think is very interesting. Uh, but their idea of the Messiah is not that he's the anointed one who is the anointed savior, uh, but it is just a title. Uh, would he be called the Lamb of God? Never, because that would imply that he died for our sins. The Prince of Peace? No. Son of God? Ah, that's the worst. That's shirk, making um, something else equal to God, Allah. And the ironic thing is that when you compromise between Christianity and Islam, you're doing it in an Islamic context, in an Islamic culture. And the general tendency when you do that is that people will slip back into their Islamic faith, even though they may have said, okay, I pray to receive Christ. So it's important to remember again that uh, even though Islam is considered a religion of priest of peace, rather, uh, in reality that peace comes at a price. You are, are considered a dhimmi and uh, a second-class citizen, and a good Muslim really does not have close friends who are Christians. This dhimmi status which means that you are inferior, you have to pay an increased tax. Uh, there are lots of things you can't do. You cannot repair your church. You cannot build a new church. You cannot use a bell and make a lot of noise. You have to hold your services quietly. You cannot witness to Muslims. They, you can become a Muslim, but they cannot become a Christian. All sorts of different rules really is to try to convert the individual to the Islamic faith. One of the methods that's been used to try to uh, con to present the gospel to uh, Muslims is the so-called uh, camel method, C-A-M-E-L, uh, which is using uh, a section of 
Surah 3, which is the camel. And the problem is that it distorts certain aspects of the gospel. If you use it quickly, it may seem like you're talking true, but you're really distorting the message, and uh, that is not uh, what you want to do. And a intelligent uh, Muslim will see through that. Uh, and so it's uh, people will pray prayers, but it's not a recommended method. We need to remember also that the Bible that we have is primarily written for believers, not unbelievers. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus uh, was God who became man and was born on the earth without ceasing to be God, lived a perfect life, died, and ascended back to heaven. Thus, the relationship between father and son did not start at the birth of Christ, but it existed from eternity past. And we are uh, sons and daughters of God. We are adopted children, adopted into his family. And so uh, to be adopted into his family, we need to understand uh, our position uh, in Christ, uh, because God is God the Son, and we are in Christ, and we are adopted into his family. Now, the Muslims who understand and receive Jesus Christ truly, they themselves are very disturbed when they see uh, the Muslim-friendly Bible undermining the truth of God's word so that other so-called Muslims can avoid persecution. And so that is not recommended, and it is not approved by the Muslims themselves. And let's remember that suffering for Christ can actually make a believer bold in the faith. And in fact, we all should expect some persecution because the Bible says uh, that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution of one sort or another. One of the strange things in the um, Quran it talks about is Allah commanding the angels to bow before Adam and the devil failing to do so. And a uh, very strange thing. And that was one of his major reasons that he became the devil. However, when you try to um, come in through the back door, like the insider movement, You'll find some people who are doing that actually coming to the point of denying Jesus Christ uh, as the Son of God and denying the deity of Christ. Now, what the Muslim does when they capture a country, it depends on what the uh, group is. If the group it consists with some Christians or some Jews or, interestingly, Zoroastrians, they are offered three choices. Mark Dupre wrote a book on the third choice. Choice number one, convert to Islam. Choice number two, die. Choice number three, become a dhimmi. A dhimmi is someone who is inferior uh, uh, socially, religiously, uh, and uh, is uh, uh, and uh, made a lot of fun of but you are so-called protective people. There's also a group contract. Remember, that's important. So that if one person in the group breaks the contract, they would consider the whole group guilty. So um, they do have then three, people, three groups of people that are allowed to be dimmy. Christians, so, uh, Jews, and the Zoroastrians. Zoroastrians are not really so prominent now, but they used to be um, in the area of Iran. Now, a Muslim believes that um, everybody's born a Muslim. And it's only later, with the influence of family and culture and so forth, that you become a Christian or so forth. So they would say, Abraham was born a Muslim. He's a Muslim. David was born a Muslim. He's a Muslim. God gave all the earth to the Muslims. And uh, 
So you're not born a Christian. You were a Muslim at birth. You're because your family is Christian, then you become Christian. So what you're doing is really going back to what God wants in the first place. And you're Muslim uh, if you convert. So it's important to remember that. And God gave his law, Sharia law, and that's to be the law for everybody, everywhere. The Muslim divides the world into the house of war, Dar al-Harb, and the house of peace, Dar al-Salam. Dar al-Salam means we are under Sharia law and Muslim domination. Any other area is considered the house of war, meaning then that Muslims are constantly on jihad, holy war, with the world, except when they accept their beliefs. And when they fight against you, they believe in jihad, that they have certain rights. They have a right if they uh, win against you. They have a right for your property. They have a right for your win women. They can have, have your children. They may take them as slaves. They may use them as sex slaves. They may do a variety of things. They control your land. This is, they believe, what Allah has given them. If you choose to be dimmy and uh, one individual uh, breaks it, it's not just the individual alone who may suffer, but many may suffer. And for example, uh, they set up a woman who... Um, told a boy to take off a backpack. He refused when he was in school. She was a teacher. He was a student. So she took it off for him, and there was a riot. They said, oh, unholy hands touched the Quran because he had a Quran inside his backpack, unknown, unknown, unbeknownst to her. So they didn't just kill her. They killed many other Christians, burned homes, burned down churches, all sorts of riot. Why? The dimmy status was broken in their eyes. They also look at the mosque as a mark of territory that this was under Muslim control. It is inconceivable that uh, it should revert back to non-Muslim control. By the way, why do you think they wanted to build a mosque on ground zero, which Muslims destroyed? The Muslim uh, jihadist, when he uh, wins, and uh, perhaps kills a man or uh, captures him. Uh, he takes a woman, uh, and uh, if that woman is her husband is uh, still alive, and his marriage is immediately annulled, and he can take her and marry her. He can have sex with her as a sex slave. It's perfectly acceptable uh, in their eyes. And the jizya tax, that heavy tax for the dimmies, is really, they look at it as a way of paying them back for allowing them to keep their lives and their property and their women. I look at it as kind of what happens in a area where gang control is, and they pay the gang off, uh, uh, we call it a protection racket. Uh, and I would look at it in the same way, basically, so if the dimmy uh, uh, abides by all the rules of the dimmy, he's protected. If he doesn't, big trouble. So he cannot practice his religion openly. He cannot hold services openly. He cannot display his cross openly. He cannot build new churches, uh, even though he pays the jizya the tax. And gradually, as you can see, churches fall into disrepair, and the pressure is on to just convert. And they may not get the first generation, but the idea is just keep the pressure on and eventually you'll pick them off. It was fascinating to look at uh, the last time episodes for the Muslims. Uh, this fellow, the Mahdi, is absolutely incredible. If you look at the story for the Mahdi, and you look at the story for the Antichrist is what we know in uh, Revelation and uh, Second Thessalonians and a couple other places, uh, descriptions in the uh, book of Daniel. We see that they are uh, very, very similar. Uh, 
I think one person identified up to 40 different uh, uh, ways of identifying the two as one. And frankly, I had uh, thought that uh, the Antichrist was going to arise from the middle of the European uh, group. But as I studied the material uh, and found out what the Muslims believe about the last times, it really is much more likely, it seems to me, that uh, the Mahdi is the real Antichrist. And we'll see what happens in the days to come. Now, what about Isa and this whole thing? Well, we knew that he was born of a virgin. They said um, he lived a perfect life, didn't sin. Uh, when it came to the cross, they believed that Jesus went straight to heaven. What God did was he changed someone else, probably Judas, but we don't know exactly whom, they would say. Uh, and the Jews thought they crucified Jesus, but they really crucified this other individual. That other individual has died, died. Of course, this is totally against what the Bible teaches and against certain things that Jesus did in the Bible, such as showing his hands with the scars and his feet and um, the scar on his side. Remember, uh, Thomas reached into my side, look at my hands, feel them, put your fingers in the print marks. You don't be unbelieving, but believe. He said, my Lord and my God. Well, what about this Esau? Well, the Esau, according to their tradition, will go to um, go up to heaven, and he's there right now. But when the Mahdi comes, he'll come back. And he will um, be a committed Muslim. He will be directly under the Mahdi, not taking his place. Mahdi will offer him the position, but he says, no, I don't want that. He will destroy all crosses. So I'm attacking Christians and Jews who failed to convert to Islam, and he will do away with the jizya tax. That means everybody is convert or die. Well, after that, uh, and they're successful, then Esau will marry, he will have kids, and 40 years later, he will die as a Muslim prophet and be buried beside Muhammad. What about then uh, the Mahdi himself? The Mahdi himself will sweep across the, uh, with black flags coming from Kurdistan, which would be in the area of Afghanistan and that area, with an unstoppable army of black flags, eventually capturing Jerusalem and making that his capital. Interestingly, they expect that Medina and Mecca may well be destroyed. He will bring wealth and order, and the entire earth will become Muslim, and he will be caliph ruling over the world, and Sharia law will be the rule of the day at that time. Well, at this point, we've come to the end of this uh, review. I hope the review will prove helpful in your final exam. Father, we pray that you'd help us to remember what we've learned. In Jesus' name, amen.